Rachel, since I'm a virgin. There's no pregnant virgins around. Like, I'm not understanding this. And so those two seemingly very similar, a little bit different, but very similar answers, Zechariah gets punished and Mary gets praised. It doesn't make much sense to me. There's a subtle difference, and I want to point it out to you, between Zechariah's response and Mary's response. Zechariah says this, how can I be sure of this? Essentially, he's saying, I want more evidence. I need more evidence. Mary says, how can this be? Or, I want more explanation. So, Zechariah, I want more evidence. Mary, I want more explanation. And, and the differences are so very subtle and yet very significant, obviously, in how Gabriel responds to both of their answers. Zechariah says, how can I be sure of this? And isn't this the, isn't this the reality of, of our culture today, the issue of humanity? I always need more evidence. Like, I would believe in God, and I would believe in Jesus, and all this stuff, but I just need more evidence. Like, if I just have just a little more evidence, if you could just prove it to me in some more way than it already has been or talked about, if you could give me more evidence, then I would believe. And Mary wasn't saying, I don't think you can do it. She wasn't saying, I need more evidence. She was just saying, how is God going to do this? This is going to be awesome. I've never met a pregnant virgin this is, I'm going to be one. Like She's thinking, how is God going to do this? How is God going to show up here? This is going to be a great story. I need more explanation. Like, how are you going to do it? What, what, what's the process here? Like, this is, this is crazy. And see, Zechariah wants more evidence while Mary wants more explanation. And here's what the Lord was revealing to me is that God can work with questions. He's not afraid of our questions. So if you're in here today and you're like, you know what, like I kind of believe in Jesus, but I got a lot of questions. He's okay with that. He's not afraid. He's not afraid that you're going to disprove him. Like he's not like, oh gosh, hope they don't ask that question and then I cease to exist. Like he's not concerned about that. But what he can't work with is doubt. He can work with questions. But what he cannot work with is doubt. This is what we see with this whole Zechariah Mary thing going on. See, Zechariah looks at the angel and essentially he's, says, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. In other words, when we doubt, this is what we're saying. We're saying that our limitations are greater than God's ability to do something supernatural in our life. Think about that. When we doubt, we're saying that our limitations, my limitations, are greater than your ability to be able to do something supernatural in my life. See, as I look at Zechariah, his problem wasn't that he didn't have faith. He was a priest. He had faith. He was in the Holy of Holies. He was in the temple. He's burning incense. He's doing all of these things. He obviously had faith that God existed. His problem was that he didn't believe that God would do something through him. Have you ever been there? Man, I, you need prayer. I mean, somebody got insomnia and you're like, I could pray for that. Let me go over there. I'll go pray for them. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, I'll pray for that insomnia. I, I got faith for somebody else to get healed. But if I got something going on in my life, well, I'm just not quite sure if God sees me. I'm just not quite sure if I have enough faith that God actually wants to do something in me and through me. I think this is what was going on with Zechariah. So he asks for more proof. He asks for more evidence. He's he wants a double rainbow. Like if you just, if I just had a double rainbow, then, then I would know that this is real. And I love how Gabriel responds to him. Verse 19. 
<clears throat> you can read it with me. It says, the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. Zechariah. I don't know if you noticed this, but I am a heaven. I like it. I'm like 10 foot tall. I am a heavenly messenger sent from the throne room of God. But you need more evidence. Okay. I stand in the presence of God. You see me flapping? This isn't normal. Can you tell that I'm not from this earth? Zechariah. I am literally, he says, I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. Hi. I am Gabriel. You have an angel, a heavenly messenger, right in front of your face, telling you what you need to hear. What else do you need? That's how I interpret it. Come on. Thank you. I got a big wingspan, I know. It's impressive. Here's the thing. When we get into this mindset, that we just need more evidence and then we'll believe, it's an endless chase. Because either we're going to position ourselves towards God and say, God, I'm I'm coming towards you and I want to believe in this, or we're going to keep putting ourselves at at arm's length saying, if I just had a little more proof, I just, no, okay, well, okay, so you got that, but what what about this? Well, what about that? And what about this? And what about that? We just keep putting that down the field saying, if I just got a little more evidence, if I just got a little more proof, then I would believe. Because most of us would say, I've heard people say this, if an angel came down and told me, then I would believe. Apparently not. (laughs) Apparently not. So if you're holding out saying, well, I'm just kind of waiting for that angel to come and like manifest himself and be flapping and then tell me something, then I believe apparently that that may not be true for some of us. Because it certainly wasn't true for Zechariah. May not be true. Because when we get into this place where we just need a little more evidence, a little more evidence, a little more, a little more, a little more, a little more, then I'll believe there's always going to be a little more. Because faith is a risk. It's a leap of faith where God catches us. So what does Gabriel do in response to Zechariah's doubt? Luke 1 verse 20. He says, and now, (laughs) this is angel speaking, and now you will be silent and not be able to speak until this day happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Here's my version of this. If I was to put it in my own paraphrase, it's this. Since you don't believe my words, then just shut up until it happens. <laughs> just, 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 just shut up till it happens. Because I, I don't know about you, but we're always in this like, whoa, I'll believe but, 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 but what if, but, 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 but what if this happens, but what if that happens? Some of us need a buttectomy, right? Like we, we need to get to this place, come on, we need to get to this place where we get our butts out of the way so that God can do what he wants to do, right? Because here's the thing, here's, and this is the big takeaway, here's the big thing, It is not about what we cannot do. It is about what God can do. And when we get so focused on, well, but, 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 but I'm old. My wife, you seen her? But, 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 it's not going to work. But, 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 it's not about what you can't do. It's about what God can do and you saying yes to his plan and to his purpose. 
It's not about you. It's about saying, God, if you really think that you want to do something through me, then yes and amen. Then yes and amen. Yes. So God isn't looking for perfect people. He's looking for people that are willing to come into alignment, into agreement with his plans and his purpose and say yes to his best. That's what what he's looking for. Which is why some of you, even in here today, need to start surrounding yourself with people that believe that God is who he says that he is and that he'll do what he says he'll do. Because some of you, you don't need more haters and doubters in your life. You don't need to surround yourself with more of those types of people. You need to surround yourself with people that that know that saying yes to God is saying yes to his best, even when it doesn't make sense. Even when I'm not quite sure how this is going to work out. But God, you said it. I I, I accept it. I submit to you. I say yes. I will come alongside in agreement so my yes and your yes can come together and bring heaven to earth. There's a guy... uh, I used to read a whole bunch about him. His name's Smith Wigglesworth in the early 1900s. He was a plumber, uneducated, but was an amazing man of faith. Saw people healed and, and raised from the dead. And this is one thing he would do. When he would walk into a place and, uh, and, and they needed prayer and there were a bunch of people crying and whining and all those things, he would literally come in and say, okay, if you don't believe that God can do this, I need you to get out of this house right now. I, I don't need any more haters and doubters. I just want some people in here that are going to add some faith to this because we got to believe that God is who he says that he is, that he'll do what he says that he'll do. And if you're, if you're not into it, then, then just that's fine. But just I, I don't need that around me at this point in the game. This man saw multiple people raised from the dead. Crazy healings. People's legs growing was just normal for him, right? Because when we doubt, honestly, we need to stop talking and start listening. This is what Gabriel does to Zechariah. You know, uh, when, I, when I, would, I used to read this, this section of scripture, and I would think, and maybe you think to yourself this, I'm like, man, like, like, that was such a harsh punishment on Zechariah. Like, Gabriel, like, you need to drink some coffee or something, dude. Like, what is going on? Like, you just like, you're like, oh yeah, Mary, great job, and all this, and I'm like, you just seriously like struck him dumb. Like he can't speak for nine months because he had a little kind of like, oh, I don't know how you're gonna do this. I'm old. So is my wife, right? Here's the reality, and don't forget this: that God corrects those that He loves. He always corrects those that He loves. And there have been times in your life where if God struck you mute, it would have been a gift. There have been times in my life where if God just said, shh, shh, it would have been a gift. I wouldn't have had to unroll stuff that I already just kind of spewed out and I felt good in the moment and then I regretted it, right? I think that this whole, this whole thing actually wasn't that harsh of a punishment. I think it was a gift to Zechariah. It's Gabriel's gift. You're welcome. I'm going to shut you up so that you have to rely on your listening rather than your speaking. Because your speak, speak, speaking isn't coming out so good. So shh. Because my word is going to come true at its appointed time, whether you're on board or not, and it's better for you to be on board. It's better for you. And I wonder if sometimes, even in my own prayer life, you know, like, I would welcome the gift of, of muteness so that I would stop talking so much when I'm praying. I think that God values listening over speaking. 
Sometimes in our own prayer life, we're, we're so busy, like, Lord, I pray that you do this. If God even started speaking to us, we'd be like, shut up, I'm speaking, right? I'm talking right now. Like, but God puts a higher value on listening to him than us speaking what we think. Because I know if you're like me, you can rationalize and convince yourself into all kinds of stuff, all kinds of doubting, all kinds of, uh, of ideas, but faith comes by hearing the word of God says. Comes by listening, not talking. Faith comes by hearing. This is what happens with Mary. Mary literally receives and conceives the promise of God in her hearing when the angel comes and tells her about it. And it sends her out on a path of obedience. If we go all the way back to, to, to Eve, right, in the garden, right? She literally conceived the deceit from the serpent in her hearing and it set her on a path of disobedience. There's something that happens when we conceive the promise of God in our hearing and then act on it that sets us on a path of obedience. And Zechariah, a typical guy, it took him nine months to listen, right? He wasn't, he wasn't ready, he wasn't ready, he wasn't ready. Why don't you stand with me? Zechariah uh, may have had a hard time listening, but I, I'm happy to say that whether it took him nine months or he got it after a couple days and the whole thing hadn't run out yet, he, uh, he finally listened. How do we know this? Because of the first thing that he spoke when God loosed his tongue. That's how we know. If you look down further down in Luke chapter 1, I'll give you a little synopsis of what happens here. The baby... The baby's born, his, you know, his wife conceives, Elizabeth conceives, they have this child, the baby's born. But here's the thing, he still can't speak. I don't know about you, but I'd be freaking out a little bit. I'd be like, right? Like, I thought this was the deal. Like, the baby's born. I, uh, why am I not able to speak now? Thinking, uh, did God forget about me? Like, what's going on? How come this has not come to fruition the way that I remember this angel, Gabriel, speaking to me? You said right? You said, you said that I was going to be able to speak once the baby's born and it's still not happening. So what ends up happening? What? They take the baby. They take him eight days later. They take him to get, to get circumcised, which is the ritual. They come eight days later, eight day old baby, take him to get circumcised. At that time, they also name the child. That's what would happen. They wouldn't name the child. The baby wouldn't come out and be like, what shall we name this child? Let's name him Frank. You know, like they, they, that's not how it happened. Eight days later at the circumcision, that's when they would name the child. And so the priests come up and they're, they're ready to perform this ritual and they're ready to name the baby Zechariah after his father. This is what the Bible says. And Elizabeth looks at them and says, no, we're naming him John. We're naming him John, and the priests look a little, well, what, are you, what are you talking about? So they're looking through their whole thing, and they're like, there's no one in your family named John. That's not how we do things around here. She's just like, this isn't, this isn't what it's supposed to look like. But how many of you know that you cannot allow your history to dictate your destiny? She says, I don't care about what you're trying to tell me about my future. I'm telling you, his name is John. Okay? So the priests, you can look this yourself, the priests are like, dang, okay, fine. They go over to, to the mute Zechariah and they're like, listen, your wife's being a little unruly over here. Like, wow, you know? This is... <laughs> and they're like, I know, I'm going to bail myself. 
man colds and, all, and I'm not making all kinds of friends. All right, hallelujah, I'll go over here. <clears throat> so they go over to, to the, the priests go over to him. They're like, hey, listen, dude, seriously, like, what, what's, the, what's the child's name? It's Zechariah, right? Like, this is, what, this is what we do. This is what history tells us. This is what it's supposed to be. And this is what John says in verse 63. Does he ask for a writing tablet? And to everyone's astonishment, this is what he wrote. He said, his name is John. And the Bible says immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was set free and he began to speak praising God. <laughs> Can I just remind you that God is not looking to accomplish his plans on his own. He waits for his children to join him. There's something happens when, when, when God's yes and our yes, when God's plans and purposes and our amen come together that releases the supernatural that brings heaven to earth. There's something special that happens. And this is what we see even, with, even though it took Zechariah nine months to get it, God's miracle didn't happen when God did what only he could do. God's miracle happened when Zechariah chose to be obedient to God's word, which was the last thing that the angel told him to do is you're going to have a child, which he doesn't have much to do with, right? And then you're to what? Call him John. As soon as he wrote those words down, there's something that was released in the spirit that released the miracle in his mouth. There's something that happens when God's yes and our yes come together. When, when we come into agreement with God's plans and purposes, it brings freedom. And, and, and I, love how, I love how God had him write it down. Like, it's one of my, I love that. Because he could have just, he could have just passed it down the field. He could have been like, just do what she wants. Just do what she wants. Here's the thing. God made him write John down. Why? Because he never honors passivity. He honors action. And obedience is not passivity to truth. It's action. It's making a decision for yourself, not passing it off and saying, well, I'm Christian because, you know, my mom's a Christian. I was raised that way and whatever. It's saying, no, 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 no. Today is the day of my salvation. Today is the day where I choose to write down in obedience to the word of God, that which God has spoken to me and to my heart. And it's at this moment, as he writes it down in his own declaration, it's at the moment when he writes his yes his yes that doesn't make sense even to him. His yes that his friends don't, don't quite understand. His yes that goes against his past, that goes against his history, that it goes against his normal, that goes against what's accepted. His tongue is loosed. When he says yes. And so my question to you this morning is this. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you about today? What is God wanting you to write down? What is he speaking to you about what is God waiting to loosen your life that can only come by you finally saying yes to his best even when you don't understand how he's going to do it? Yeah, but God, I know that you're calling me into this or I know you asked me to, to give, of, give of this or do this, or, but I just don't know how it's going to happen. I mean, I just got this raise and I, 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 I don't exactly know how this is all going to work out. And God says, look, I'm not asking you to figure out what you can do. I'm asking you to figure out and come alongside and say yes to my plans and my purposes in your life. And it may feel like a no to you, but it's a yes to my best. Okay. 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 
And as we worship this morning, I just want to challenge you to ask the Lord this. What was the last thing that God commanded you to do that you chose to speak rather than listen? That you chose to rationalize rather than obey? What is it that God is calling you to? And not the person next to you, not, not, not the, the person that you, you know, their, their life's a mess and they need to get some things figured out for you personally. What is it that God is calling you to? For maybe for some of you, it's like, yeah, I, I don't even know if I believe in this whole Christian thing, but I've been kind of like circling, circling, circling around this thing. And I know that God is calling me and I sense his tugging. And maybe today is a day where I take a step forward and say, you know what? I'm done saying that if I just got a little more evidence, a little more evidence, because I've been watching people's lives changed all around me, and I've been saying, well, if I just knew a little bit more, if God could just prove this to me just a little bit more, then I'd finally come to the realization of faith. The reality is, is that you'll never just come to the realization of faith. It's always a leap. It's always a jump. That God says he'll catch you. That's what it always looks like. So if you need prayer in any area of your life this morning as we enter into worship, I just want to dare you to not leave this, this moment, leave this place without giving Jesus an opportunity to be able to speak over your life. Maybe it's like, well, I've been praying for this for a while now. I came down three weeks ago, Pastor, and, and I was praying for nothing quite happened. And so what do you have to lose? You have everything to gain because God is who he says that he is and he'll do what he says he'll do. The only response he requires from us is a yes. So Jesus, I pray. I pray that you would call people to yourself right now. Not because of my words, but because of your word over their life. Lord, may this not be any time of arm twisting or manipulation, but Jesus, I pray that your spirit would speak to the hearts of people today, right now, not yesterday, not tomorrow, today, in Jesus' name. That you would call the hearts of people to come back to the heart of God. And so, Lord, whatever that need is, maybe it's a, it's a, it's a long a prayer that has not been fulfilled. It's a dream that is, has that is not to come to fruition. We're waiting on a spouse that is never coming. Lord, we're, we're, we're waiting for, for something that we just wish it would look differently. Lord Jesus, I, I, I just commit to saying yes to your best, even though I don't understand how in the world you're going to get this done. May I look like Mary and just say, I, I don't know how you're going to do it, but this is going to be awesome. I choose to trust you. I think obedience sometimes looks a whole lot more like Mary where she says, let it be to me according to your word. And so Jesus, I pray you'd call people to yourself as we, as we just sing this last song. If you have a prayer need in any, of your, any area of your life, you can just come along up front here. We'll have some people that would love to just pray God into your situation, to have faith that God is who he says that he is, that he'll do what he says he can do, that his word does not return void, that every word from God has the power to fulfill it. And it's not about what you cannot do, it's about what he can do. All he's saying to you is this, would you allow me to bring the impossible out of you? Would you believe that, that I've got something far greater than what you are hoping for? I'm telling you, he's got something far greater than you could either hope or even imagine. So Jesus, we call forth dreams and visions again. We call forth people to respond to your spirit and obedience to you, Jesus. Whatever it is that you're calling us to write down, Lord, that we would step into it, to step into this faith that you've called each and, every, each and every single one of us to, knowing that your best is better than our plan. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. 
as we sing, just make your way down. We'll come along, alongside and pray God into this.